0: everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of Tech Spansive. I'm Sean Duberback from Aubrey Institute.
1: And I'm Ross Rubin at Radical Research.
0: As we mentioned in the last episode, the big news this week, of course, is the uh, launch, the official launch, where well, we've had a lot of, uh, of rumors of Windows 11 from Microsoft. And uh, it was a surprisingly n- news-packed announcement. A lot of uh, Really, a lot of announcements, a lot of developments that they've made, and a uh, uh, clear indication that they're going to be taking things in a, in a relatively new direction. Um, a lot of new initiatives for Microsoft.
1: Yeah, ab- absolutely. The, uh, some of the highlights, uh, a, a refreshed uh, look uh, with the new centered taskbar. Uh, that uh mirrors uh the look or you know is more in keeping with the uh the expectations of say the mac os dock or or the dock that you see in in chrome os uh but melding that with um these transparency glass like effects uh that really dominated uh windows 7 uh back when Microsoft released uh, that operating system, Uh, redesigned uh, start menu, say goodbye to live tiles, Uh, a new widgets system that uh, swipes in from the left side of the screen, Uh, again, uh, calling back a, a bit to something that uh, Microsoft had many years called uh, Active Desktop. So in in many ways, reinventions of uh, a number of things Microsoft has tried in the past, uh, but making them more modern. Uh, we can also look forward to performance improvements, battery efficiency improvements, uh, collaboration improvements. Microsoft is building Teams chat uh, right front and center uh, into Windows. If the person you're trying to message doesn't have Teams, it will translate it on the fly into a text message uh, and uh, send it to their phone. And uh, one of the the big additions is uh, native support for Android uh, applications, uh, starting at least with the Amazon App Store, and something that Microsoft is trying to do there is to uh, elevate the uh, Amazon App Store, which has had kind of limited exposure uh, in terms of uh, Amazon's Fire tablets and not really being used in, in many other places. Uh, Android apps, uh, in addition to Windows apps, will be able to take advantage of a number of uh, very useful looking window features, window management features, uh, extensions to the snap window snap feature that lets you quickly uh, move windows to uh, one half of the screen. They're going to extend that into more panes, they're going to extend virtual desktops, uh, and so uh, a, a lot of focus on productivity. And uh, communication. Uh, also, uh, Sean, we're we're going to see big changes in in terms of the store. Uh, Microsoft uh, looking to make a, a statement on openness and position itself as a contrast to what we're seeing from Apple, right?
0: Definitely, you're seeing them. You know, it's interesting because you look at the design, and I like the design. It's very clean design, as you noted. It does uh, does tip its hat to Apple. It feels very Mac OS, if you will, with that uh, the, the, the center appearance, uh, clearly influenced by Mac OS or, or Chrome OS. Uh, at the same time, though, they do appear to be trying to differentiate themselves from Apple with respect to how they reward creators and how they how they reward those who are willing to uh, develop on their platform. Uh, they're, Essentially, allowing them to uh, to keep the revenue f- if they use their own payment system for everything outside of games, and we we saw in his closing remarks that uh, Satya Nadella even you know talked about how they they really are focused on that creator. They even built in a, uh, a tipping support for for content creators, so really trying to build out that developer community, and it's something that I think a long time has eluded Microsoft. They have, for a very long time, tried to build up a developer community for a lots of different platforms that, that they offer. And Xbox has been very successful in that. But I would say Windows, for a very long time, has not been very successful in, in really building up a, a developer community. Of course, you know, they bought Nokia at at a time and tried to build out that entire uh, ecosystem and they really needed apps to be successful there for that to take off. That ultimately did not work out in in their favor and uh, they're, you know, they're going back at it again to try to really develop that community. In the past, they've incentivized, tried to incentivize developers. I mean, here they're really putting the developers to the forefront.
1: And and not just uh, developers, but all kinds of local small businesses, which uh, brings up a question that we've uh, addressed many times on the podcast, this tension, uh, if you will, or or this need to balance the needs of small businesses trying to reach consumers versus consumer privacy concerns. And, uh, of course, this has... Primarily, been manifested in the battle between uh, Apple and Facebook. Uh, Facebook arguing that uh, uh, access to information makes it easier for small businesses to find customers. Uh, Apple saying, "Hey, uh, people need to opt in uh, in order to receive that that benefit." And Microsoft historically has uh, really been more on that privacy end of the spectrum, uh, because they historically have not had uh, a very substantial advertising-driven business. Uh, but here, as they're trying to open up new revenue opportunities, particularly given that this will be a free upgrade, uh, and if you have a uh, a working copy of Windows 10, a legal a legal copy of Windows 10, and uh, your hardware is up to it uh, you can upgrade to windows 11 for free so clearly they're looking at new monetization uh, opportunities and uh, one way they can do that uh, is by you know sean as you say opening up their platform to a, a much broader array of developers than they've had in the past, uh, a much broader number of stores resident on the device than they've they've had in the past. Uh, but another way they can do it is by uh, providing opportunities for all kinds of um, uh, service providers and and uh, and creators.
0: Well, and they did it all in a week when. Here in Washington, D.C., we saw a number of antitrust bills that have kind of been in the works for the last two years move forward. So we saw those markups take place this week, and those are headed for uh, for a House vote, and then they, they pass. Obviously, they'll work on to the Senate. But they are all about modernizing antitrust re- regulation and enforcement and, and ultimately trying to address what uh, lawmakers see as big tech, monopolist tech. And so Microsoft has got a, a difficult uh, challenge here because if you just look at the surface, they definitely fit into that bucket as a, as a powerhouse, one of the largest companies, certainly one of the largest tech companies. And so uh, the, the feel here to me is that they're also saying, hey, we're all about the small business. We're all about the independent developer we're building a platform that will uh, en- enrich them ultimately, and we're not trying to uh, trying to uh, benefit from their hard work. Um, we're not, you know, a, a gig type working platform, uh, as much as that has been heavily criticized here in-, in Washington D.C. So I think it's it's an interesting time for them to really double down on the the community, the creators, and try to try to build that out. Uh, And if they can mirror again what they've done with uh, with Xbox, I think they could really see some great success and could really add some really interesting productivity capabilities to their their suite of offerings. Uh, We also we we did see them also, uh, speaking of games, announced that Xbox Game Pass would be integrated into Windows 11. I think that that's a really interesting development given where we are in the game cycle. We're seeing a. Push towards cloud gaming. We're seeing uh, a, a renaissance, if you will, to some extent of desktop gaming as well, moving from the consoles and and that becoming more more widely popular with gamers. And uh, so I think this timing takes advantage of both of those trends to move the uh, the Game Pass and and get Xbox games on the desktop in a very user friendly way. And also, as these start to move towards cloud services and away from hardware, exclusive hardware services, uh, prepare them for that future.
1: And Microsoft, uh, giving a bit of a shout out to the independent game developers in announcing the uh expansion of Xbox Game Pass uh, onto Windows. Uh Microsoft certainly one of the major platform providers to your point Sean, but but certainly one of the least polarizing and uh, we've not seen them dragged in uh into Washington or or dragged onto uh video calls as has been the case over the past years along with uh the chief executives from uh, Apple and and Google uh, and uh, and Facebook and um, the uh, you know the, in in his closing comments uh, Satya Nadella uh, drawing contrast uh, between what they're looking to do and what what Apple has done uh, a mix of kind of. Uh, Older Windows value propositions, I would say, and newer ones, talking about the value of choice. You know, talking about the importance of customization, uh, but also talking about the importance of uh, openness uh, and uh, and you know the need for many different kinds of uh, options to, to thrive. Uh, this was some, uh, you know, th- this was a point that Microsoft raised. In opposition to some of the restrictions uh, of the Apple App Store when, um, uh, when it was looking to bring uh, Game Pass to iOS and faced uh, a number of difficulties there in terms of delivering it as a native uh, iOS application, it's uh, now going to be available through the Safari browser. As many of the other uh, game streaming services will be, uh, but now, now that it has had an opportunity to uh, lay out a, a plate for its own dog food, uh, it's uh, it's showing that it's willing to to eat its own dog food uh, and uh, and and to set set the rules for its own platform to uh, not not penalize developers if they are if if Microsoft is not adding value to uh, to their offering on the platform.
0: Yeah, so it would be interesting to see if developers really do uh, take this opportunity and, and start to develop it. And it will be interesting to see how well the, the store uh, functions and, and actually facilitates that. In the past, the, the Windows store has been uh, painful at best. Uh, I have personally found wanting to find something, wanting to buy something, and not really being able to find what I want or not sure if I could could trust it. It, it has a, I mean that, to, to Apple's credit, it, everything is vetted and everything has a, a very similar feel to it. And so you have a degree of confidence there. I have less of that in the past with the, the Windows Store, so we'll see how that uh, that changes. And to your point about the design and, and productivity, I really like what they introduced with Snap Groups. Um, we saw some of the features that had originally been destined and developed for Windows 10X show up in Windows 11 as they as they uh, decided not to launch Windows 10X, but that was originally designed for dual screen devices. And I see things like Snap Group taking advantage of, of some of those features where you can use multi monitors many of us are using multi monitors today and we have to go and reconfigure it every time we undock our laptop or every time we open something and with snap groups it will remember where you've opened those features and and put them in place so i like that teams being integrated into windows makes a lot of sense it's clear that uh we saw this really at the start of the pandemic that microsoft was going to go all in on teams and it was going to be its a competitive offering in a world dominated by, uh, you know, Zoom and, and other uh, communication platforms. It's interesting because in the past, it was Skype that was integrated into Windows. And uh, Microsoft is is kind of moving away from that, really focusing on Teams. But I think that's a good move a lot of organizations have adopted Teams. And so I think that makes a lot of sense for them.
1: And, uh, you know, it also represents the other shoe dropping from Apple deciding to make FaceTime a somewhat, or at least a more cross platform option, uh, through, through a web client. Uh, we've also seen Google become much more aggressive about rolling out meat. Uh, throughout uh, what it's now calling Google Workspace uh, and extending that to essentially all Gmail users, regardless of whether they have uh, a business or not. So uh, battle lines are definitely heating up uh, in terms of these Video chat services reminds me a little bit uh, back in the day when we had the instant messaging wars uh, with uh, AOL Instant Messenger and Yahoo Messenger, and Sean to your point, Skype and and Microsoft with MSN Messenger. Uh, but uh, but I think here, uh, even though there's still a lot of focus on chat uh, in a lot of these uh, applications, the power of video to bring you. Uh, more immediately into a collaboration environment is uh, is a very strong uh, incentive for a lot of uh, the, these players. Salesforce, by the way, announcing that it is uh, re-architecting its all, whole family of offerings to be Slack first. Uh, so, you know, they too, uh, recognizing the importance of um, uh, reorganizing around these collaboration environments, few things, uh, notable things going away uh, in Windows 11. One is the timeline view, which was a pretty interesting concept. Uh, the idea that uh, as you worked on different apps, you could resume exactly where you were in the session, uh, regardless of the device you were on. Uh, Microsoft uh, talked about that kind of capability in Windows 11, but really not as... Um, uh, as precise a pickup point, if you will, uh, as uh, as timeline saw to provide, uh, and I think one of the challenges that Microsoft just ran into there uh, was the lack of control uh, on other platforms like iOS and uh, and and Android because you 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 really needed to install an app uh, for uh, for that to work. Uh, some other restrictions in terms of uh, you know we talk a bit about the. The new uh, taskbar uh, resembling the uh, macOS dock. Uh, well, the macOS dock, you can move to uh, any side of the screen. Uh, you can move it to the top. You can move it to the sides. Not so apparently with uh, with the Microsoft, new, new Microsoft taskbar, uh, you, will, you will have it at the bottom of the screen and like it. Uh, and uh, so says Microsoft. Uh, And, uh, you know, an end to, uh, you know, we mentioned Windows 10X that never really saw the light of day. Uh, Also, apparently, this represents the end of the line for Windows 10 S or S mode, uh, which was this sort of um, more closed off secure version of Windows, you could only get things from the store. And the idea was that the benefit was going to be enhanced speed and security uh, that may now be moot, uh, given that Windows 11 uh, has speed and security enhancements of its own. And uh, certainly all things being equal, uh, consumers, I think, like the idea of having just one flavor or as few flavors of an operating system. Uh, as uh, as possible, so um, if that's the reason for a consolidation, uh, it's uh, it's it's certainly worthwhile.
0: And, and I think that aligns with what you know, Apple and others are doing, where the at least the feel is very similar if you move across different devices.
1: Yeah, you know, one one of the things uh, I, I I noticed is that you know Microsoft as as essentially a one client company today, right? You know, just supporting the the PC, I really felt, uh, you know, in some of this, frankly, maybe the presentation delivery style of uh, Panos Panay, uh, but it was also reflected in some of the other presentations of of folks on his team, uh, really igniting kind of this passion for Windows and passion for the PC and, and a focus on things that really really enhance the value of the PC. Uh, Whereas at Apple's WWDC, as has been the case for the past few years, I really felt a lot of it has just been more about, here's this feature that we have on one platform, now we're bringing it to another platform, uh, and it all ties into, uh, you know, Apple's uh, approach and ecosystem and features. Uh, and, um, you yeah, know, I wrote a column a little while ago about how Apple stretching its, uh, you know, stretching, you know, flexing its muscles a little bit in AI. Uh, and most of that work happening on the iPhone whereas on the ipad and mac uh many of the improvements were around these kinds of more traditional user interface improvements uh, productivity enhancements uh and certainly nothing wrong with that that's great i think users tend to appreciate that uh but uh but i just think that you know in general as as a mac user um i, I it feels like you know Apple keep will always say you know we love the Mac, we love the Mac, um, but they're just you know a lot of the things that are coming to the Mac are just things that really strengthen the Apple product family uh, more than the Mac per se so so we mentioned Microsoft needing to now uh, balance the uh, the the need for consumers to preserve their privacy with the need for small businesses to reach new customers and for consumers to discover new uh, products and services. Uh, our other big uh, story this week uh, surrounds. Uh, a number of moves that major browser makers are engaging in uh, first of all we've we 've spoken in the past on the show uh, on the podcast about the challenges and struggles that Google has faced with flock uh, their new proposed standard to supplant uh, third party uh, cookies uh, and some of the resistance that uh, Google has faced in uh, um, among uh different browser makers among uh, uh, amazon uh microsoft uh and and a number of other uh, parties well uh not long after Google came out and said that. They recognized that this was going to be uh, an evolution that uh, of, of a standard that uh it was committed to and that uh, uh would become more powerful and palatable over time. uh Google has announced that it's going to delay uh implementation of these efforts by two years uh it's um uh, it's it's an interesting question as to what's going to happen in the interim uh, after the deprecation of, of third-party cookies. Uh, now that Google is uh, delaying some of these measures for all the criticism that Flock received, there really wasn't a lot out there being proposed uh, in the industry uh, other than relying more on your first-party data. Uh, and it seems that's what um, – uh, that, that that's what – companies trying to track their customer data uh, online are are going to have to do.
0: Yeah, I think we're, we definitely see this move with the recent uh, updates and upgrades with iOS, of course, and uh, allowing users to opt in to tracking. We've reported in, in past episodes that uh, for the most part, users are opting out of that tracking. And so it is going to require companies to rely more heavily on their first party data, which I think will drive pretty massive changes over the next couple of years. You're gonna see companies building out tools to do a better job of capturing that first party data. Uh, obviously companies like Facebook have done a very good job of capturing first party data and you utilizing other third party data as well. Uh, and we see them kind of doubling down on first party data, figuring out how to keep people on the platform longer so that they're more valuable to their advertisers. I think other other companies are gonna follow that as well. Uh, so companies that, that haven't really started to build out data tools for their customers to really understand their customer are gonna to start to make, I think, quite sizable investments in the years to come.
1: Well, it's it's one thing, you know, Sean. To to your point, if you're Amazon or, or Facebook and or even Spotify, and you have this family of services that you can offer or launch uh, in order to keep consumers engaged, but uh, I, I think it's going to be a, a, a bigger issue and a bigger challenge for companies and more traditional businesses, uh, Best Buy, uh, Kohl's. You know, uh, d- different sort of like category killer stores or small businesses, uh, that, you know, aren't going to have you, uh, playing games, uh, in order to keep you engaged on, on the platform. Uh, but, but also to your point, uh, in terms of this shift toward a rethinking of privacy, it, um, it's um, it 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 raises the question: uh, How much of Google's action has been spurred by this negative reaction to Flock, uh, and how much of it has just been spurred by what seems to be? a continued evolution of the company from an advertising-driven model uh, to one driven by subscriptions or or other uh, revenue streams. Uh, We mentioned earlier the the big push that the company has been making in Google Workspace, uh, which, uh, of course, has been one of its premier uh, subscription-based products. Uh, And uh, uh, Mozilla, uh, which makes the Firefox Browser, one of the companies that uh, turned its nose up at uh, at, at Google's Flock proposal, uh, announcing this week an initiative called Rally uh, that will allow you to opt in your data uh, to academic research, starting with uh, a study that uh, Princeton uh, University is uh, is launching. Uh, and I think the next one is going to be around uh, something that uh, Stanford uh, is launching. So uh, a way for you to donate um, <clears throat> your your data toward uh, a cause that you think is worthwhile versus necessarily uh, enriching uh, other, other parties on the web. Uh, also saw uh, another company uh, launching this week called Invisibly, uh, which will compensate you for... Uh, allowing you to to share your data uh, re, you know offering points that are redeemable for cash uh, and then as these things uh, tend to go also allowing you to earn their proprietary uh, uh, points uh, by engaging in in surveys and and doing other kinds of uh, uh, online tasks so um, some interesting new opportunities for uh, giving consumers more options beyond sharing data indiscriminately uh, and trying uh, any any um, really uh, empowering web users with with more options.
0: To your point, Ross, about some of the traditional retailers, I think their great battle has been: how do we track our customers? Or ultimately, how do we learn about our customers in both online and offline venues? So you look at companies like Target, they've been quite successful at it by offering credit cards that provide discounts for both online and off.
1: Drug drug chains, uh, Walgreens is another good example.
0: Yeah, what what you're buying in the store, what you're buying online, and perhaps if you're using it elsewhere, what you're buying there. So there's, you know, I think retailers are going to be really still always looking at how do we use our app together with our website, together with our storefront to understand what our customers value and how do we deliver that that value to them. Probably a great place to wrap up this week's episode of Tech Thanks for joining us. Again, I am Sean Duberbeck. You can find me on Twitter at Sean Duberbeck.
1: And I'm Ross Rubin. You can find me on Twitter at Ross Rubin. Thanks for listening.